0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter.
0: What's better than this, guys? Being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. We are getting towards the end of this NFL regular season, and there are a lot of things on the line, whether it's playoff berth, whether it's potential jobs uh, that could be at stake based on the way uh, teams have performed this year, and we're going to kind of talk about some of those most prevalent things right now on the NFL, uh, uh, I guess the hot seat, across the board, if you will. So, Kyle... Welcome to the show here as I read the title of this podcast uh, room that says Lifelong Browns fan. I wow.
1: Lifelong Browns fan. It feels great. And, you know, there are members of the draft network that are on each side of the uh, the process that the Cleveland Browns embarked <laughs> in. And I, I thought this was interesting. You know, I want to keep this brief because I do want to talk about the New England Patriots for here just for a moment but but the Cleveland Browns uh engaged in a rebuild under uh VP of football operations Sashi Brown and uh this team had been very bad for a very long time and continued to be very bad under the watchful eye of Sashi Brown who uh, had himself in my opinion one heck of a 2017 NFL draft and Set them up with the pick that landed them Denzel Ward and generated a lot of cap space, and uh, I just Cleveland, take a deep breath and like let all your anger towards Sashi go, okay? Because like Sashi Brown was your version of the, and I'm a or season ticket holder. The process in Cleveland, there was a process in Cleveland, and it was always going to be we're going to suck for a while, but that asset allocation requires you to suck and sashi did that effectively and they had hugh jackson there and you know sashi is an integral part of this team turning around the way that he did eight of the 11 starters on defense right now in week 16 coming up are players that sashi brown acquired for this roster i think that's important to remember understand the process Ben Solak said it best to me privately when he said you're not going to ask the guy that just tore down your house to build your new one you have to go get a new contractor and John Dorsey is that new contractor this rant is over lifelong Browns fan it sure feels great to see the browns playing meaningful football games in December Joe
0: two two quick quick follow-ups here and they're gonna be questions for you number one does Sashi Brown draft Baker mayfield number one overall and number two, who's the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns?
1: Well, from what my understanding was, the, um, one of the gentlemen who was heavily involved in Sashi Brown and some of the analytical models that they were using, uh, Baker Mayfield was head and shoulders the best quarterback according to that model in the 2018 NFL draft class. And uh, I believe Evan Silver from Roto World, Might not be Evan, but somebody had put that out. I'll do my research on that, and we'll touch on that tomorrow. But somebody had put out, listen, this guy's analytical models uh, were what the Browns were using when Sashi Brown was in-house, and it was like Russell Wilson was one of the top five, um, and, and Baker Mayfield was, I think, fifth or sixth in the last like 10 years on that list of quarterback prospects. So I do think they would have drafted Baker Mayfield based on those analytical models that they were using at the time. Who is the next head coach? I'm going to go. Is Mike McCarthy. it Greg Williams? Oh, no, it is not Greg Williams. I got to go Mike McCarthy.
0: Oh, would you be
1: happy with that as a lifelong Browns I'd fan? Be o- I'd be okay with it. You know, they're they're my adopted team right now. I'm really rooting for the Browns. It's hard not right. to root for the Browns if you liked Baker Mayfield in any capacity before the draft. I'd be fine. Kyle, with it. You see, you see, coaches go somewhere else and win. So I'd be fine with it.
0: Yeah. Oh, his run, with, his run with the Packers is tremendous, just unbelievably good. Um, I also understand why he was let go, and I also understand why he's going to get a job next year, and he deserves one. Um, I want to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, Kyle. Would, is anybody surprised that this team's 3-11 and right now? Is anybody surprised? Was there anybody a, in the world that thought this team would be better than 3-11 and right now?
1: Not if you looked at their death chart no. at the beginning of the year.
0: No, and that's the thing. It's the bad, bad, bad roster. All right, and so now there's kind of some rumblings that you know, Steve Wilkes can be one and done. All right, and I'll be honest with you. Me, nor you, nor anybody not close to this situation is qualified to answer whether or not Steve Wilkes deserves to be fired. Because in my opinion, no coach, especially dealt this hand, deserves to be fired after one season. However, if you are close to the situation and you can evaluate the job Steve Wilkes is doing on a daily basis and realize that based on what is uh, known to be successful in the NFL and his leadership style and how he connects with the players, If that's not working, then I'm fine with moving on. I think you talk to guys like Larry Fitzgerald, you talk to guys like Chandler Jones, and you get to the bottom of that. Because if his message isn't clear and he's not the right leader for this team, then that's one thing. But my overall thought is to never move on from a coach from one year other than if you've made a mistake, the worst thing you can do is hang on to the mistake. I said all that to get to the point that I don't know that me or you can comment and say truthfully whether or not Steve Wilkes deserves to be one and done, even though that's the the hot rumor right now,
1: I agree. Because as you said, this, this roster is devoid of talent. I mean, I mean, you look it up up and down right now. I don't know who either one of their starting tackles are. What's to be names? completely transparent, Corey Cunningham, who was a <laughs> okay. seventh round pick this year from Cincinnati, yeah. Didn't do it, a report on Corey Cunningham. Uh,
0: nope, I didn't either.
1: And Zach Goldiched. Yeah, that's bad. From Colorado, formerly an offensive guard from Colorado State, from the uh, practice squad in Indianapolis. Rosen's numbers are bad, Kyle. They're really bad. Well, so he's thrown what four pick sixes this year. I think yeah, he man. has the most pick sixes in the NFL with four, or the team does. Maybe not Rosen specifically.
0: And. <laughs> I love Rosen. I know you love Rosen. I I just and, – and it's hard because I think Josh Allen's done well to overcome a bad supporting cast.
1: But Man. Josh has that different skill exactly. set. Josh has the skill set allows him right. to extend plays, and he's willing to run, and he is a true dual threat in a much larger capacity than I ever imagined that he can be. And that has eased his transition – to be much more reasonable than what I had anticipated it was going to be, and I was one of the biggest attractions of Josh Allen before the draft process. And the Rosen's a pure the yeah, ball.
0: yeah, right. It, yeah. Rosen's a pure pocket passer with no freaking pocket,
1: none. I mean, it's crumbling around him. Yeah, man. Listen, to, yeah. listen to the water. Listen to the active wide receivers from this week. Larry I mean, Fitzgerald's hurt. Right? Great, Chad Williams, Trent Chad Sheffield.
0: Williams.
1: I'm sorry, Trent <laughs> Sherfield. Jalen Tolliver and J.J. Nelson; those are the active wide receivers on the Arizona Cardinals right now.
0: The Bills' active receivers today were Zay Jones, Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie, Ray Ray McLeod, Deontay Thompson.
1: Robert Foster is going to be like—he's <laughs> got 400-yard games, 40, ca- 40 catches for a thousand yards next year at this rate. This got, is unbelievable.
0: He's got 400-yard games in his last five. His first five NFL games, four of them were 100 yards. One's 96. All right, I get it. Th- th- three true 100-yard games and a fourth one that was 96 yards. Dude, I mean, do you, Josh
1: just – he'll get one play to him every week that's third, or 60-plus yards, it feels yeah. like. Averaging 26 a catch, I think, right now. Unbelievable. Yeah, He's just got five, true speed, and Josh yeah. is willing to sit in there and hold the ball and let him, yeah. let him run by people. Five-star – he
0: was a five-star recruit in, in college, uh, number two receiver prospect in the nation. He had 14 catches in his entire career at Alabama. His entire career, 14 catches. 14 catches. 14. How many does he have this year in five games? Uh, More than that. I think 19
1: or 20, (laughs) yes. (laughs) They're so stupid. Makes no sense. That's what we love about the draft, though, right? Yeah. Because it's like a guy like that can be super highly coveted recruit, totally flame out at the college level. But if the the physical talent is there, yep. You know, there's always that opportunity. Can you think of any of the players like that off the top of your head? Oh, that were like five a- stars that that just flamed in college, and then lo and behold, like Stefan Diggs was one. Yeah, he, I mean, Stephon Diggs, drafted, I think was a, right? was a yeah, he was a four star, I believe, going into Maryland, and like was injured all the time and just super raw. And then he gets to Minnesota, and you know, he just over the course of the last several years, he's developed into one of the best wide receivers, most potent wide receivers in the game.
0: One thing about Foster, um, we didn't mean to get into this little rant here. This sometimes happens. Um, one of the things the Bills' offense has been ignited by obviously better play from Josh Allen, but also Robert Foster we just talked about and Isaiah McKenzie, who was released from the Broncos after his rookie season, seven fumbles. Uh, those two guys have ignited the offense, but it almost more so than those two guys being part of the mix is Calvin Benjamin not being part of it. And and not having any need to factor him into the offense. So for for whatever that's worth, that's how that's how bad Calvin Benjamin is. And, and hey,
1: Kelvin, I, Calvin
0: caught one from Mahomes. He did. He did a, a ball I he's dropped Mal- five hundred times for the Bills. I, Mahomes yeah, I drilled
1: it so hard underneath his chin. He had no choice but to catch it. I think he stuck buried right it halfway in into his jersey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So Jill, so the card.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thoughts uh, on the Cardinals. I no, to I was
0: yeah. I was gonna wrap it up there with this because we're getting off on a tangent. Uh, Rosen, impossible to evaluate him this year. Steve Wilks, yeah, yeah, you got to fail forward, Rosen, but Steve Wilks. I mean, I think you just got to rely on the veterans in that locker room. Have an honest conversation if he can be the guy, but and nobody should be surprised that this team's three and eleven based on this roster going into the season.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. You know what they should be surprised about? What's that? The New England Patriots have lost consecutive games in December for the first time since 2002. You hate to see it. You know, I told you when we first got on the call, I said, Joe, I'm doing some extensive research for the podcast today. I'm sitting here rolling through every damn year of the Patriots schedule looking for consecutive losses in December. Well, when did they, have they ever had consecutive losses anyways like let alone December there was there was one year in the mid2000s that they lost <laughs> two consecutive games to end the year and I think they went ended up going like 12 and four that year but like the last regular season game was technically in January so it didn't count mm. And they've so lost you- a couple where they lost the last game in November and first game in December but the last time they lost two true games in December was 2002 on the road 24-7 to the Tennessee Titans, and at home to the New York Jets 30-17. They went 9-7 and that year.
0: So the big thing here is New England's a team that I think to make a deep postseason run, they need to have home field advantage. And, yes. and I don't, there's no course to it now, right? They're going to be the fourth seed prop, well, the third or the fourth seed, which means they'll get a home game, but then they're going to have to go to Kansas City or to Los Angeles or to Houston, right? And none of those are very good things because you want those teams coming to you, and that matters a ton for Tom Brady and his search for his what sixth Super Bowl championship. Um, and uh, I don't know if this is good or bad, but do you know who they play next week, Kyle? Uh, they play the <laughs> for their third Buffalo loss in a row, Bills, Buffalo Bills, <laughs> in New England. So uh, I don't know if 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 it's possible for them to lose three straight.
1: But I'm here I, for it. I would not <laughs> want to catch them losing two straight. Well, that's what I thought for the Steelers, right? They
0: were already coming off a loss. I'm like, okay, well, do, does Pittsburgh really want to face New England coming off a loss? And they came out pretty flat. Well, I, mean, th- some I think plays th- with...
1: Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was in true do or die. And this, oh, is a good, yeah. this is a good segue into the AFC North. But real quick, just to wrap this up, uh, New England. You know, this is interesting because, you know, we we talked last week on the podcast about teams in the AFC that were playing complementary football. Yeah, I right now would probably have AFC or the Patriots rated fourth if you were going to ask me, look at the landscape and pick the team that's going to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. The, the, I would sure, probably yeah. have behind the Texans with the way the Texans are playing right now, the yeah. Chargers for sure, yeah. and the Chiefs for sure. Yeah. And I know that I know that New England beat the Chiefs, but they also beat the Chiefs different, in New England. Different
0: times, yeah, big deal. It's a big, and big
1: deal. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was back in early October when they won that football game.
0: I, I would, uh, man, yeah, the Patriots. You think? I mean, they've already proven. I mean, Pittsburgh can play with them. We, we've seen it now, right? And they don't want to play Baltimore, right? <laughs> Who
1: wants to play well, Baltimore right now? Baltimore is so weird, and I'm glad to, that we're segueing into the AFC East because I look at, you know. Baltimore's eight and six. All of a sudden, Pittsburgh's eight five yeah. and one. Uh, the the Browns' hopes for winning the division were were dashed with that Pittsburgh win. But that's fine, you know. Lamar Jackson is inserted into the lineup with the bye week. The Baltimore Ravens are four and one, and this team could not run the ball to save their life. And suddenly, they come out and in the five games since. Lamar Jackson's been inserted into the starting lineup. Baltimore has run for 267, 242, 207, 194, and then whatever they ran for yesterday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I know Lamar ran for almost 100 by himself, and uh, Gus ran for over 100 yards. So there were over 200 yards against the Bucs. It's stupid. 242, yeah. And it is just such a gross philosophical change from what they were for the first nine weeks of the season it blows my mind that they have been so successful in just uprooting their entire offensive philosophy just like that I don't I can't think of it a time I've ever seen anything like it
0: yeah four to five I mean that's big they lost three in a row right that skid and then they've won four out of five and they're right in the thick of this AFC playoff picture and yeah there's part there's got to be some type of an of an advantage to this total rebrand on offense because nobody there's not tape right nobody's seen this before there's there's a lot of catch up that team's need to do and you know look they they would have a five game win streak if they were able to win that game that three point loss at Kansas City so i mean they have proven they can compete with anybody in this conference and uh, defensively i mean baltimore's a physical defense that Nobody wants nobody wants to deal with them and dealing with Lamar Jackson. I know he's not there yet as a passer. He needs growth there. But because of his dynamic dual threat ability, it opens up so many different things and it's a difficult offense to defend. And so you have a difficult defense to deal with a difficult offense to deal with. And that's a team nobody wants to play, even though they're eight and six.
1: Think about playoff football. What do you what do you constitute playoff football to be? You know, it's always been run the ball, stop the run, right? Run the ball, stop the run, possess the football, right? Yeah. Listen yeah. to this. Okay, so you mentioned that three game skid for the Baltimore Ravens. They played the Saints, the Panthers, and the Steelers. In those three games, their time of possession was 26-29, 25-59, and 23-31. They have the bye week. Lamar Jackson comes into the lineup. Their time of possession, 3809 versus the Bengals, 34 mm. 12 versus the Raiders, 3939 against the Falcons. 31 27 in overtime against the chiefs and then they held the ball for 37 minutes and 10 seconds yeah. against the Bucs. yeah that's crazy
0: now so got a, you get a fresh the, defense
1: you, yeah yeah you get them behind in the scoreboard they're going to be in trouble yeah but they are going yeah. to eliminate possessions and you saw this in the chiefs game where the chiefs yeah. needed late magic just to get to 24 points in force overtime where they are going to eliminate possessions from the game and they are going to grind you out if they make the playoffs, which they have two tough games ahead, ahead because they got to go to Los Angeles and play the Chargers next, who are tied with the Chiefs for the division lead in the AFC West with the first seed on the line versus potentially being a wild card team. The Chargers could play their ass off in that game, and then they're going to play the Browns, who have nothing to lose yeah. and are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Mm. You don't want to play them. No. It's Saturday night game, too, that Chargers
0: game. So, eight twenty yeah. on Saturday. I think I know exactly what I'll be doing. Uh, and then, yeah, that's a fun game uh, against the Browns the following Sunday. So, um, exciting things there with the AFC North. And then kind of the big picture there, right? Steelers, I have just come to accept in my life that they're always going to be a pretty good team. You got this Raven situation. The Browns are certainly on the rise. And then the Bengals, who I really respect this roster. And I don't think, you know, if they are able to – Get the right quarterback in. I don't know what their path to getting that right is this coming offseason. But I think that they're a team that's not far away from competing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kyle. Yes. Chicago Bears are yes. NFC North division they champions. It. And it they did it. And I remember when when that happened today or Sunday, I remember thinking back to some of our conversations before the season we did a lot of preview stuff. We yep. talked about the Bears and we liked the Bears. We liked the direction they were headed. And but I think we both kind of agreed that look, I think everyone's like a year too soon on them. Like they're not they're not quite ready yet. They're going to be competitive but not a playoff team. Now, look, I think our logic was good at the time, but the Khalil Mack trade, right? Obviously, yes. a very that made this a very 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 different team. Um, and I'm not trying to make excuses or cover up for what turns out to be the wrong take preseason, uh, but th- this offense that Nagy's running, uh, this rushing attack, this defense is a special group, and then you add Mac to it, Eddie Jackson's been unbelievable on the back end. They're getting turnovers like crazy. I mean, th- this team is, uh, yeah, they're for real. They're here. They're arrived, and they're a contender in the NFC. They, they proved that by what they did to the Rams last week.
1: You know, and I think this team's getting into the playoffs and their model for success is going to have to be similar to what the Baltimore Ravens is, which we just got done talking about possessing the football, slowing the game down, playing tough defense, you know, not making mistakes. But at the same time, I'm sitting here and I understand like stats don't tell the whole story. Yeah. But if you look at Mitch Trubisky's season, he's now played 12 games. He's nine and three is the starter. Uh You factor in the stats for for this week, and he's passed for uh, 2,800 yards, 23 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. He's completing over 65% of his passes. No, it's not bad. He's certainly taking steps in the right direction. I think you take that, the acquisition of Khalil Mack, and the skill players that they've been able to build around Ms. Trubisky in just one offseason, a really aggressive, sudden change yeah. As far as what they've put around him and you can get excited about the next three or four years as a Chicago Bears fan before you have to worry about paying Trubisky and then reassessing what your roster and cap allocation looks like.
0: Right. We don't have to worry about that right now. I think we need to learn a lot about Trubisky. Right. And the good news is we've got two, pro- probably three more years to figure out whether or not he's going to be worth, you know, 30 plus million, right, by the time that deal rolls around 30 plus million per, per season. So we're, we'll learn about that, but the infrastructure is there, and they're just going to get better. I know they don't necessarily have a ton of premium draft capital, uh, but that's been part of why they're good right now is because they've made their picks count. I mean, Eddie Jackson's a huge pick, Adrian Amos – James Daniels, uh, you know they they're Terry Cohen. They're hitting on these picks, and I thought that really afforded them to be able to give up some of this capital to go ahead and get a guy like Khalil Mack, who took this team to the next level. So, you know, Pace he's going to have to make his magic work here and hit on you know continuing to make draft picks hit and count. You know, not necessarily having premium uh, picks available, but if he can kind of do, do half of what he's done in the last couple of drafts. Uh, this Bears team's gonna be good for a long time, and uh, you know it's not so much them looking up at the Packers or Vikings anymore. It's the Vikings and Packers figuring out how they're going to compete with the Bears for years to come now, and it's uh, it's really fun.
1: Joe, do you have any parting thoughts? I, uh, you know what, I have I, I have a question for you when the time I, comes.
0: I, I the the only parting thought I have. We don't have to get into this. Is I as I was looking over the Bears uh season their schedule game by game and during this conversation i noticed that the miami dolphins was one of the teams that beat them so the dolphins at seven and seven have wins over the patriots and the bears
1: yeah That's with brock all. osweiler quarterback by the way yeah so you can't forget brock osweiler uh in his first start uh resulted in the dolphins acquiring 541 yards of total offense against the chicago bears <laughs> defense just like
0: you, you <laughs> it's,
1: I don't know, man. 3, 380 there's, passing yards.
0: There's, you can't explain it. There's nothing you can say to explain that. No. Makes no sense.
1: No. It, it, they're one of the oddest teams that I can remember following, really. You know, the hot start against, you know, a good Tennessee team and a couple bad teams. And then they suddenly backslide from 3 0 to 5 and 6 blowing a game against the Colts, and then they win two in a row, including the Miracle, and then they get blown out, by the way. I digress. My question for you is I'm doing a series for the Draft Network entitled 2,525.
0: Oh, you can notice that I've not engaged in any discussions with you on this. Yes. And I'm being forced yeah, to I, right I, now.
1: I, I've asked All you, right. and you've yep. ignored every comment that I've made. So um, <laughs> some people caught some feelings on uh, on Friday. Yeah. or or Saturday, because I had asserted that Ezekiel Elliott was the 24th best player in the NFL under the age of 25. And I was told that was extremely disrespectful to Zeke, and he is the, the yardage from scrimmage leader in the NFL right now, and so on and so forth. And I would ask you, how many running backs in the NFL would you prefer to have over Ezekiel Elliott? Wow, because uh, there's a correct answer here.
0: There is. Okay, well, running backs. I would personally rather have. It's not necessarily about their production. It's about their skill set that correct. I would rather have. Correct. Um, I have all the teams right here. I'd rather have Saquon. Um, okay. I'm good there. Uh, yeah, give me Zeke over the South. I'm on the West. Um, I take Gurley over over Ezekiel okay. Elliott. Okay. Um. AFC East, none of them. Yeah, trash. Uh, AFC North. No, um, I'll, I'll keep Zeke. AFC South. Keep Zeke. I'll keep Zeke. Uh, yeah. AFC West.
1: Probably keep Zeke.
0: Probably keep Zeke. Uh, maybe you think about you think about McCaffrey. You think about Camara.
1: Okay, um, and I, I had McCaffrey twenty-five, so he's one spot behind okay. Zeke on my list. So I had five running backs in my top twenty-five. I've only re- released twenty-one through twenty-five at this point, but Zeke and McCaffrey were in the first release. So what is my answer? Three. You have two right now.
0: Okay, who so did I have? Like
1: so, you, you missed one.
0: Who did I? I mean, I must have just overlooked them. Uh, let me go a rush. Gurley Barkley, one, one of the best teams in the
1: NFL. One of the best teams in the NFL. Draft Dudes alumni.
0: Oh, Kamara. Kamara.
1: I would rather have Kamara than Zeke, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess, yeah. And here's here's where people get confused, right? Because fantasy football sucks for this reason specifically. Zeke's leading the league in rushing. Zeke has all these catches. Zeke's leading the league in yardage. But Zeke has, since 2016, he has 100 more touches than everyone in the NFL besides Todd Gurley. Right. Well, you should have those production then. Right. Exactly. You've had the ball almost, you're you're right. going to have an extremely higher amount of production. And if you look at yards per touch, you know, Alvin or I'm sorry, uh, Ezekiel Elliott averages 5.1 yards per touch carries and receptions in his career since 2016, which is the same number that Todd Gurley averages. When Todd Gurley averaged 3.8 yards per touch over 321 touches in Jeff Fisher's last season.
0: Hmm.
1: bit of an outlier there it's dragging that number down what if I told you Saquon Barkley in his rookie season is averaging 6.1 yards per touch and Alvin Kamara is averaging 6.6 yards per touch don't get mad at me it's just the context they're more dynamic football players I think it's great that Zeke has all of this production and he's able to be the the centerpiece of his offense but of course his numbers are going to blow the other guys out of the water when he has 100 more carries than everybody else in the league besides Todd. And he's got like 30 more carries than Todd in 3 years and Zeke was suspended for 6 games last year.
0: Yeah, and you know I think these that's that's kind of why I like to I stayed away from a lot of this discussion over the past few days because these these I, these are really cool experiments and I like them, I enjoy them. I'll always click and read on this type of stuff. Um but, but I think it just mostly matters that they're in the tier, right? Like you're splitting hairs. If you're going to try to tell me who the who's the best between Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara, we are absolutely splitting hairs. Are they part? Are they three of the best seven running backs in the NFL? Yes. OK, good. That's it. That's it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like,
1: what does it matter? But their but values are, don't think that way. Right. Because well, I, to me I that, agree with you. If you're in the top yeah. 25, I didn't slight you at all, no matter where you are.
0: Oh, you're one of the 25 best players. Under, that's all that matters. You're Dude, on the like, list.
1: There's 12 positions, 12 separate categorized positions that don't include special teams in the league. I'm essentially saying you're one of the top two at your position on average. I had Zeke at RB4, but I have one of my four best running backs in the entire league. Don't sit here and piss and moan. <laughs> I,
0: I've seen this list, and people have a lot to look forward to because there's going to be some triggered people. Both, both that uh, fans of players that are on the list, and they're not going to be happy where they are. But also, some of those guys that you only fit twenty five spots. Uh, so yeah. some of those honorable yeah. mention guys, uh, there will be some trigger folks.
1: And there's there's fifty guarantees to be in the top twenty five. Now, well, yeah, there's only twenty five spots. There's only so. f- twenty five folks. So, so you guys have Bless to look you. forward to. You asked for this. The next man. one's coming out on a Wednesday. <laughs> So you have that to look forward to on Wednesday. We can trigger the next round of fans and then see what they have to say about how low I am when I say they're one of the the top 16 to 20 (laughs) best players under 25 in the league. But uh, make sure you swing over to the Draft Network. Check that out. Uh, Make sure you hit subscribe on this podcast, please. Tomorrow's Takes on Takes. If you have any hot takes, hashtag Takes on Takes. Get it in. If you're listening right now, you got to get them to us right now because we record sometime early afternoon on Mondays. If you missed the boat, still hit us anyway. We'll get them for next week. I'm at Grinding the Tape. Joe is at the Joe Marino. As always, thanks so much for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. We will be back tomorrow for Takes on Takes.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.